I would say the things that most appeal to me are basketball IQ, um, toughness, self-motivated guys. You know, when you get here, you have the whole day to yourself. We only have you for a couple hours, so guys that want to be in the gym without having their hand held. Um, and guys who kind of are over themselves, don't take themselves too seriously. That was Tim Connolly. I'm your host, Marnie Gellner, and this is Wolves Plus. I'm on the hustle for the glory, on the grind for the crown. Not to hustle if you want to, if you do, you're going down. Oh! Great catch, great finish. Towns to go bam. Come on now. That's playing with flow. Towns for three! Carl it is Carl Anthony Towns for quarter. It certainly is. Edwards. Tim, I know you're from Baltimore. Yep. Does that mean like the city of Baltimore or suburbs around Baltimore? No, grew up in like northern Baltimore city. Okay. Yeah, we grew up in the city. We and the high school. Claim it. The what? We can officially claim Baltimore, the city. Yeah. Okay. Because some that's a huge area, and some yep. people say Baltimore because it's the easiest big city. Sure. But you're actually from the city yep. of Baltimore, yep. and your high school was Towson Catholic. Towson, Towson Catholic. Yeah. Towson Catholic. Yep. Um, co-ed Catholic school, you had 25 kids in your graduating class. Yep. I had 54. I thought that was small. Yeah. 25. Yeah, it was really small. It was a really diverse school. It was really neat. You had people from all walks. Um, it shut down maybe eight or nine years ago. You know, the Archdiocese of Baltimore's had a tough time, so they shut down our school. Um, it was awesome. You know, you, it was a environment that you were forced to interact socially with people maybe that you didn't know prior to getting to high school. Mm -hmm. So I, we um, had a great time. And apparently it was a basketball powerhouse, too, because I had read that in your four years of high school, there were seven or eight players who ended up playing Division One college basketball. You yeah. had class sizes in the 50s, and you had maybe one or two guys a year Yeah, it was a loaded basketball school. I think the early 80s, they were the number one high school uh, women's team in the country. Um, and then, you know, Gene Shue for old school basketball fans, Carmelo Anthony, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, Dante Green. Um, we had a, a bunch of um, NBA players, a bunch of high-level college players. So it was, you know, you thought it was normal, but you know, as you get out of high school, you realize it wasn't normal that um, every class had one or two Division One players. So it was really neat. And Melo must have been about seven years younger than you. Yeah, Melo played with my little brother. Um, if you believe it, I think they were like a 1 in 15 JV team together. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's... Uh, Carmelo is such a great guy. It's such a neat story to see. You know, he wasn't the top eighth grader, top ninth grader. You know, he worked his way into his game, and then his body caught up with his game. Um, yeah, so there, there was no shortage of talented guys there. Was Tim Connolly in that mix of uh, D1 prospects? No, absolutely not. No. No. I played varsity for four years, I think just out of attrition, because I'm not even sure we had a JV team initially. Um, kind of weird academic standards for a school that wasn't known academically <laughs> as a real stalwart. Um, so the letters stopped pretty quickly after they saw me play. What kind of a hooper were you? Describe your game. I'd be like a 6-1 Boris Dial, you know. <laughs> okay. Can, can, can pass, um, can pass, can dribble, can't shoot a lick, and a mm. poor athlete. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it was it was fun. Really good at the elbow. Uh, when I was playing, too, it was kind of the um, when street ball got really cool, so I could do all those stupid things, and they didn't really translate. So. Being a turnover-prone, non-shooting guard kind of limited my upside as a player. Shocking. You wouldn't have thought that. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Well, that's kind of a bottom line then. Yeah, I'm not sure the coach enjoyed coaching me, but <laughs> I enjoyed it. You grew up in a big family. Yep. Four brothers, two sisters. Mm -hmm. So this is a family of seven. Your third 
in line, yep. right? In yep. seven kids. What was the hand-me-down situation like when you're number three in the line of seven? Are about food or clothes? Because it was, yeah. it was both. I joke with my kids when we go to fast food now. Like I love fast food. When we went to fast food, did you get a large fry and shake the fries on the, the napkins? You get a large soda and you know you get extra cups. So my kids have never lived that life. Um, no, it was all hand-me-down stuff. It was a great childhood, but uh, there was no, um, there was not a lot of new stuff that we saw. Mm-hmm. So even the food you're talking about when you divvy it out on a napkin, no, like sure. you get a you get a handful get a of fries. Here's fries. your handful. Here's your handful. Yeah, because my okay. wife still makes fun of me how I eat fries. She's like, slow. other day I went to McDonald's. I said, slow down. I said, I just eat fries. I'm embedded. If I don't eat this fry, someone else is. Yeah. Now you get your whole container to yourself. The problem is I I I, I do that too often. Uh, <laughs> almost did it last night after the game. Actually, couldn't find a restaurant open. I was that close to going <sighs> to fast food. Chose not to. And Growth. are you? You eventually went to a few different colleges, yep. right? But started at Fordham? I started at Fordham, yeah. And then Fordham is that sort of legendary story that I've read from you where you wrote to several NBA teams mm-hmm. to see if any of them would let you do some scouting. And you got one letter back. I did, yep. And that was from Chuck Douglas, yep. the director of scouting for the Wizards. Bullets, probably Bullets at, the at the time. time. Yep, the Bullets. Bullets at the time. He wrote you back. So mm-hmm. that's your in. That's your into the NBA. Mm-hmm. Was it Bullets and Washington Mystics at the, um, I at the same the time? I was the first summer. So I got there in fall, and then that summer – no, the two summers later, the Mystics was the first year. So okay. it was two years after I got to okay. D.C. So we're talking about an internship, like unpaid Completely unpaid internship? for about three and a half years. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a long time to grind. Yeah. And is it internship, like, get my coffee, pick up this – paper over here and yeah we, i did all that but it was i was really lucky that it was at the kind of um advent of uh, digitizing a lot of things and it was a very small staff so a lot of it was here's a hundred reports just put them in the computer um okay. you know here's 200 videos um cut them down to 20 minutes a piece so it was it was pretty fun i mean i did a lot of the uh the traditional things but i was fortunate that i did a lot of basketball from jump and just to clarify you just said it was pretty fun yeah and you just said cut down 200 minutes to yeah, I mean, but, it's, yeah, it okay. was, we all look like different things, right? So it is in the basketball world, but it's a lot of what people would consider like grunt work. Yeah, yeah. it was definitely not um, anything glamorous, and it was a lot of hours. I had a bunch of different jobs concurrently to try to, um, you know, you get the internship originally, it's really cool. You're in college, and then you graduate college, and you're still making no money. The, the coolness starts to fade a bit. So I was lucky to have a couple of different jobs, have some money in my pocket, and that made it doable. Well, that's the other thing. If you grew up in Baltimore, there's no NBA team in Baltimore, mm-hmm. but Washington, D.C. is not far away. Mm-hmm. So the Bullets must have been the team, like your hometown NBA team. Yeah. You, you know, get a job with your hometown NBA team? It was neat. I mean, you know, they were Baltimore Bullets forever. So my dad was a fan. And um, I've, I like local teams. The two teams I grew up with that were the most important to me were Maryland basketball and the Orioles. So those are the two mm-hmm. teams they, you know, that I was obsessed with. The Bullets were certainly my NBA team. Um, so it was neat. It was really cool. It's, you know, it's only about 45 minutes from Baltimore City to the old Cap Center. Well, depending on traffic, 45 minutes or three sure. hours. Yeah. So it was great. Um, I wouldn't trade any of it. It was an awesome time. You're, you mentioned the other jobs. One of them I read was that you were bussing tables at the ESPN Zone. The original ESPN Baltimore. Zone, yep. I was one they of the first the busters. Yeah, oh, the really? first one. And that um, you worked concession stands in Baltimore for Ravens games and just Orioles, Orioles games. We okay. did Orioles with um, at Memorial Stadium and then Camden Yards. Okay. Um, we did it as, also as a way to raise money for the team. You know, we tried to. We had no budget at Tassa Catholics. So we're trying to. You know, if we want to go somewhere, we'd raise money. But it was that was probably my most enjoyable job. So, am I thinking right? Just standard. You're behind the counter. Somebody comes up, 
popcorn and a 16 years old selling beer it was before all these rules you know it was great it was so much fun did you walk up and down i did my brother did that my brother was and actually you know a guy going up and down the steps and he made a lot more money he did well yeah Yeah. because you're slinging the peanuts he did well yeah if he got there it's weird i think he it's seniority obviously but um actually one of the biggest sports shows for a long time in baltimore is two guys who used to be concessionaires i don't know that's the term Sure. We'll it was great. That. It was great. If you got there early enough, you got the good stuff. If you got there late, you get hot chocolate in July. You know, so it did, the earlier the better. Yesterday's hot dog. Yeah, it was. It was tough. If you get there, my brother one time had a lemonade, and he, he, it was like a uh, it was like a Ghostbusters pack, and he came back. Oh, and sure. Like he just came back from you know basic training, but he made a lot of money. Good day for him. Did you also collect autographs? Yeah, we used to go, yeah, baseball. Yeah, we used to go to the. Uh, we lived pretty close to Memorial Stadium, and my uncle lived right down the street, so that was an easy way to get rid of us for a couple hours. And I had read that one of the teams you really liked was the Twins used in to the eighties. Twins, Puckett, Herbeck, you were a fan of loved Gladden. It. Yeah, I loved. Yeah. I love the Twins. Uh, Jack Morris, Gladden. Um, I loved Herbeck and Puckett. They were nice to get autographs from. So they were nice. You, you tend to like them. Um, they weren't an Orioles rival. So yeah, that was probably my second favorite team. Did you? So you actually came in contact with some of them, had a conversation, got yeah, the I'm autographs. Sure, I'm like, sure they'll remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that makes an impression on a kid. No, they were nice. Frank Viola sometimes. was super nice. Yeah. I mean, I could vividly remember who was not nice. Did you have at one time a Kirby Puckett autograph? I'm sure I still have a Kirby Puckett autograph. Oh, we really? Foot lockers full of autographs somewhere. And we thought it was going to make the cards worth more. We didn't realize. Now it's probably wasn't oh. smart. You might have to dig those out someday. Are they in storage somewhere? Um, they're in a Foot Locker, probably my brother's condo. I don't know. I mean, I've moved a lot, so I just whatever. Kind of like a gypsy. <laughs> I definitely, ha- I definitely have a bunch of twins autographs from like '86 to '89 for sure. Uh, well, there was a pretty good year in there. Yeah, '87. Yes. Like, yeah, you may want to you may want to put it on your list of things to do someday down the road. Uh, to, I'm still an Orioles fan though. Why not? I'm just for profit. No, oh, yeah, for profit, yeah. We'll, or to we'll, just we'll, share the love we'll, here in Minnesota. Then. Yes, we'll do a uh, fundraiser for my Kirby Pocket autographs, my 100 of them. There you go. Yeah. Whatever works. Um, eventually moved on to the scouting department yep. with the Wizards. And a quote I found from you, you said, I went to any game I could drive to. If I wasn't working, I was at a Loyola game or a Howard game or a LaSalle game. Any game within two hours, I was another set of eyes. Mm-hmm. Is that because you had to do that in order to move on in advance? Or was that because you loved it so much you couldn't get enough of it? No, there was no mandates. It was kind of... Um in, in a good way, it's a very laissez-faire environment. Our, you know, our staffs were so small compared to where we, are, where we are now. And I just thought it was kind of my responsibility. I knew a lot of the local players from, they played with my little brothers. They, my older brother coached them, so it was fun going to watch these games because it was familiar faces. Um, and I wasn't doing anything else. It wasn't like I had some awesome social life. So why not? <laughs> well, in retrospect, I mean, that, that's really valuable experience. And I'm sure it showed your bosses you were willing to do all those things. That's very helpful. No, it worked out great. Um, and some of those games, when you, you know you go to, um, they become relevant when the draft comes around because you're mm-hmm. able to cross a guy off or say, you know, I saw this guy play twice, and you know he couldn't do this or that. He might be a good summer league name. So it was a, a great kind of first entry point into um, you know how to scout and, and what matters to an NBA team. When you were the assistant video coordinator. Mm-hmm. In Washington, um, it was 1999, and I worked in local television in 1999. And I was thinking about how you edit because mm-hmm. now everything is digital. You're on a yep. computer, you have the world at your fingertips. Beep, beep, beep. That's edited. In 99, 
were you doing like a tape to tape? Tape this, to tape. This one in the right spot, pause it. This one, hit pause, mm -hmm. record. Yeah, a guy would That's write down world. 127, 32. They ran time zipper code. up twist and you, you, know, you got it and you cut it, cut it, cut it. And then I remember the first time they tried to digitize, maybe 2000, 2001, we went to uh, this company and it was us and an overseas team and we were so overwhelmed. It was, and then you realize how simple it was once it was just point and click. Um, yeah, we, it was a different, much more labor intensive, time intensive, yeah. Um, yeah, hand deliver everything. After each game, you used to have to put a couple of different VHSs in a FedEx to go to a Hoop One, a video service in New York, so everyone can have access to it. So um, I wouldn't say the glory days, but it was certainly some fun memories. A different time, no doubt, a different time. Uh, eventually, you were promoted to uh, director of player personnel with the Wizards and then joined the New Orleans Hornets in 2010 to become the assistant GM. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I mean, that's high level. Mm -hmm. You are now in it, you're immersed. What was the difference when you're at that level of no longer doing some of those grunt things? Is the biggest difference in the responsibility or being in charge of people or just your everyday life and tasks? Yeah, it's, it's a lot more time. I was lucky enough to work um, for Dell Demps, who had just come from the Spurs and won a championship. So it was really fun learning kind of some of the things that the Spurs did, kind of seeing behind the curtain a bit. Um, we had Monty Williams, a really good buddy, who's a heck of a coach mm -hmm. and a great guy. Um, you know, we had Chris Paul, who's going to be a first battle Hall of Famer. And it was a lot of the same things I did. Um, I was always very interactive with the, with the roster, always trying to kind of put fires out. But there was a lot more managerial tasks. Um, so it was, again, learn on the fly. I, I messed up countless times. Um, and then ultimately, I was just, my job was trying to just keep everyone happy. Um, you know, an NBA season can be a marathon. There's going to be a million ups and downs. And how do you keep people as as calm as possible during those ups and downs. That's a funny description of just keep people happy because I bet there are bosses in every form of business, basketball or retail or whatever, that, that is a job. Keep everyone happy. Yeah, I think it's an impossible job, but I think um, my, my goal has always professionally just been really fair and transparent and respectful and know that the idea that perpetual happiness is not realistic, but I think um, I found for the most part if you're honest and you treat people with respect and you care about them, um, you, know, you won't get complete happiness, but you, you'll get for the most part um, a, a bunch of um, good colleagues, good teammates. That's a pretty good way to live life too. Yeah. Yeah. When you joined the Nuggets, uh, it was 2013, Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations and the General Manager. When I think about the Nuggets and the dominance and the perennial contender kind of stuff, one game always comes to mind, obviously because of my connection with the Timberwolves, but the 2018 mm. end of the regular season, game 82 at Target Center, it was one of the big unforgettable moments for this franchise and fan base. You were on the other side of it. Mm. When I say game 82 from 2018, what kind of emotions does that bring up like in you? Taj, Gap, Taj Gibson yes. fell in the yes. in the corner, yes. like 4.7, is that what it is? Um, no, it was, you know what's cool about that game? It was. Two really good teams, two very well-coached teams, and um, we were dejected that evening, but it was obvious that uh, we felt in Denver we had to make something special, specifically the way Nicole and Jamal, um, and we were dead to rights, I think, midway through the third quarter, and those guys just had no give in them, and they kept attacking, 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 so, um, you know, you were that close to the playoffs, it was a tough couple days, but um, retrospectively, it was probably one of those really neat moments, and it was a, sure. a moment, I think, that... Uh, the Nuggets have springboarded off since. Mm -hmm. And both teams, honestly, left it on the court. 
Oh, they, they played. It was, it was great. Around. It was fantastic yeah. basketball. It was you know hard playing on both ends. Uh, that was literally a game of inches, and it was a great atmosphere. Yeah, no question. This past May is when you were officially hired by the Timberwolves, mm -hmm. um, which some fans found out uh, inadvertently on Alex Rodriguez's Instagram <laughs> account, which in, in hindsight is just a fun little mm -hmm. story of your hiring mm -hmm. and, and the news getting out. But what does a kid from Baltimore think when a billionaire – and a guy who hit almost 700 home runs is courting you, essentially. What does the kid from Baltimore think? I think they should have better things to do. <laughs> um, I mean, the whole thing, my whole career has been surreal. I didn't aspire to be a GM or whatever my title is now. I just wanted to be a lead scout. I just wanted to be you know, the guy that would beat the bushes and try to find good players. Um, you know, a lot of people get in this profession aspiring to be where I am presently, and I can say with complete honesty, I never thought I'd be this, excuse me, in the position. I never really wanted to be in this position. I was just fortunate enough to work around good people. Um, some really smart people were dumb enough to hire me at these different jobs. Um, so the whole thing was surreal. Um, you know, love, 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 love Denver. There's not a mm -hmm. bad word to be said. Um, those guys are some of my best friends. They feel like family. I talk to, I talk to them almost every day. Um, so, so the atmosphere was very surprising, quite frankly. Um, when this whole thing happened, I'm like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Then when you sit down with Glenn and Becky, you talk to Alex and Mark, you talk to Ethan, you talk to Finchie. Um, there was a palpable sense of excitement. Um, I love a challenge. Um, so it, it went from no way to hey, these guys, you know, they might be building something pretty special. And then as we had the more and more conversations, it just felt like the right thing to do. So it was a whirlwind. Um, it was um, certainly unexpected. It was something that came out of complete left field. And I've been unbelievably fortunate the last five, six months here. And the nine years in Denver were literally perfect. Mm. So everything kind of falls into place. You're here with the Timberwolves. You and Chris Finch go way back. Mm -hmm. I know he was an assistant coach in Denver one of the years when you were yeah. there. But clarify the story of one of your brothers being overseas mm -hmm. and like knocking on a coach's door looking for an opportunity. That coach was Nick Nurse, yep. and Chris Finch was on his staff. Did yeah, so, I have that right? Yeah, my brother Pat, who's with the Bulls now, assistant GM with the Bulls, he um, was working in a bank in London, couldn't stand it, and went to Brighton. Um, I don't know how he knew Nick. A friend of a friend, hey, call this guy, see if he wants to, maybe you can volunteer for him. Ended up working for Nick uh, with the Brighton Bears, I think, and then lived with Nick. Um, did that for a little over a year. They had a lot of success for a British team. A lot of success. You know, mm -hmm. GB basketball is not, you know, it's not Spain. It's not, it's not Turkey. It's not France. Um, so I had a lot of success for a British team. He came back, went to Baylor. He was on Scott Drew's first staff at Baylor. He's a GA, GA, and since then he's had a, a really successful career. So Chris Finch, Chris Fleming, Nick Nurse were kind of the three American guys that we knew that were really doing well overseas. That we always follow closely so it's it's really cool to see the success that obviously Finchie's mm -hmm. had Nick's won a championship Chris Fleming's in Chicago now and he's going to be a really good head coach so I think those three guys um, really helped us get to know the European um, game that much better sure when you dig through the layers sometimes the names that connect it's really astonishing it's a small That's, world it is yeah. a small world in that basketball but the mm -hmm. The talent rises, and it's sometimes it just it blows me away when mm -hmm. I was when I was figuring out how the two of you kind of cross paths mm -hmm. and just a story like that. It's it's just bizarre. Mm -hmm. When I read about you and when I read about uh, the things that kind of set you apart, one of the things I read is that you are considered one of the best talent evaluators in the NBA. 
they're all great at basketball. And I w find it kind of overwhelming to nitpick about why this guy might be better than this guy. In your mind, talent evaluator, like how do you separate the absolute elite from the other absolute elite? I mean, I think it's a, it's a nice thing to say. It's not factual. It's all so much of it's just luck. Scratch that. This yeah, is I mean, it's, that's what I sent you earlier though, right? <laughs> just um, reading out the sheet. I mean, I've screwed up more than I've gotten it right. I think the more you do it, sometimes the worse you get because you have too much information. Mm. It's almost information overload, you know, paralysis by analysis. Um, and there's so much information coming at you right now uh, with, you know, seven years ago in the draft, I'd call, if we were looking at a guy, I'd call two or three buddies that coached against him or coached him, or I'd call a, a player that might know him, and that's it. Now we have six, seven, 13, 14, 15 intel reports, not just basketball reports. Um, that's a lot. So it's, yeah, it can be a bit much. I, th I think. You know, the world's a bit much how much we analyze everything. Um, but the, the most luck that I've had, and it's certainly luck, uh, because the environment where you bring the players can be very important. Uh, where we are right now, it's going to be hard for a young player to play a lot of minutes. And because of that, it's going to be hard for them initially to kind of find their way in the NBA. If you play against some of these teams that are in different parts of their career arc, um, you know, young guys play off the bat. So the best way to get better is to play and play big minutes. Right. So you can never ignore the environment you're bringing a player into. Um, but I would say the things that most appeal to me are basketball IQ, um, toughness, um, self-motivated guys. You know, when you get here, you have the whole day to yourself. We only have you for a couple hours. So guys that want to be in the gym without having their hand held. Um, and guys who kind of are over themselves, don't take themselves too yeah. seriously. I mean, this is, not, this is not rocket science. You're just trying to put a ball in, in the rim. Um, so those are the characteristics that most draw me. But, um, you know, you get it wrong all the time. There was a great saying, remember uh, Scotty McGuire, the longtime mm -hmm. Knicks legend, legendary yeah. coach, scout. He goes, I know where to pick. They're not there when I'm picking. <laughs> you know, everyone knows who the first couple guys are, right? It's usually pretty obvious. But it's um, as you advance in the draft, it's, it's the environment you're bringing them into. And I think those small things separate most of the players mm -hmm. from making it or not making it. And it's interesting because you talk about all the statistics and all the analytics mm -hmm. and all the information and none of that stuff you just mentioned is in the database. You can't put numbers on those things. I mean, that's it, a feel. Yeah, I mean, you look at, um, I don't know, you, you look at some of these guys, you look at Jokic, there's no predicting what he's going to do. Um, Devin Booker is a fantastic pick and roll player right now, and he, he never t played pick and roll at all in college. I mean, I could tell you a million different guys. There was nothing there to indicate he's going to do what he's doing to the NBA. So you kind of got to get all the information and kind of cross your fingers, uh, feel, see if your gut feels good about it, and just say a name. We've talked about your family and your brothers mm -hmm. and the four brothers, and I'm guessing people have put this together as you're mentioning a name and this guy and this guy. But all four of your brothers work in the NBA. They're five boys, or in basketball. Yeah, basketball. In basketball. Uh, your brother Joe mm -hmm. is here with the Timberwolves mm -hmm. in the front office, but Pat, Dan, Dan Kevin, mm -hmm. what are they doing right now in basketball? Yeah, Kevin's a high school coach in Baltimore. Um, actually, he's also helping, he's helping Team Nigeria. He's got back from Ivory Coast. They had a tournament. He said the Ivory Coast was a fun, fun trip for him. It was pretty cool to see these different places when you coach internationally. Uh, my brother Dan coached collegiately at uh, Jacksonville and Princeton, Memphis, and I think he, he was done with college sports and kind of became a freelance guy. He works with I don't know, a handful of NBA guys as a skill development coach. Um, and Pat is the GM of the Bulls. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned Joe. Joe, um, longtime high school coach, coached the NBA for like five years, head coach in Australia, um, and then he's. Been scouting the NBA for five or six years, I think. So he's been in it 
for a long, long time. I was reading an article about your family and about the brothers, and this was way back in 2013, but Joe had said, it's not like we sat down 20 years ago and mapped out a course. It kind of just fell together. It's just what we were taught by our parents, to work hard and be good guys. We were not trying to outslick anybody. Yep. He was talking about how it's possible for five brothers to all end up in the basketball world. You don't find five brothers that are all bankers or teachers. Everybody goes different directions, yeah. yet all five of you. No, it's complete dumb luck. Um, the city helps because it's such a basketball-rich city and area. Mm -hmm. The DMV, like, you know, I didn't realize how unique it was to have 10, 15, 20 guys go D1 your high school year. Um, when I actually, we had a guy who worked with us in D.C. He came from uh, somewhere else. His first week there, I remember vividly, hey, can we get some guys to play basketball, you know, open gym? I'm like, yeah, do you want Sam Cassell? Do you want Walt Williams? Do you, who, who do you want? We have... <laughs> Pick your, you know, we have all-stars all over sure. the place. So the city certainly helped. Um, we love sports. It wasn't, basketball wasn't our biggest sport. I think baseball was the sport that we were, we're most passionate about as a fan. Um, what we play, I, I'm, the best sport we play was probably lacrosse. But, um, you know, seven kids, the best way to keep them occupied mm. is minor league hockey. Um, lacrosse, we went to a million basketball games, a million baseball games. Uh, the Ravens came back when I was, I think, in college. So there's no football for you know, 12 mm -hmm. of my years. Um, and then both my sisters work in nonprofits. So it's pretty funny. It's a, a very small network of careers that mm -hmm. <laughs> our careers. I was just going to ask your two sisters, they're not mm -hmm. in the basketball world. No, they work at, um, Kelly uh, worked f for uh, in the music industry for a long time. She works for a nonprofit. And my sister Maggie works for a nonprofit as well. She's, she used to be on the asking side. Now she's on the giving side. Yeah. Your wife, or your, your family. Yeah. You, you have a wife, Nega, mm -hmm. two kids, a boy and a girl. What mm -hmm. are the ages of your kids? Seven and six. Seven and six. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you and I were talking um, at a practice recently. You'd already been to Mall of America, already awesome. been on all the rides, awesome. like, trying to get acclimated. Little Johnny here. Rockets. We went on, a, <laughs> went on a, um, a roller coaster. That was a good mix. Yeah. yeah. So life with, with young kids is, uh, it's, a, it's, it's different. Your school, mm -hmm. you were carving pumpkins today. Yeah. You're, you're, you're in it. You're hands-on dad. Oh, yeah, I love it. I mean, it's uh, learn from my parents. Um, you know, having seven kids, um, and my dad was working nonstop, but they never missed anything important, and it really stuck with me. So um, don't want to take the career too seriously. Don't want to miss things you can never get back. Um, so I love if my wife would, doesn't want 10, but I, I could have 10 kids. I love it. I love being around kids. Mm. I'm pretty immature and goofy, so it, it, that's kind of my um, social circle that I fit in well. Well, you've talked about balance, mm -hmm. too, in your life. And you had said that while I love basketball, I also love travel, art, movies. I love to run, ride bike. Balance is key. I'm not a one-dimensional basketball guy by any means. Yeah, I mean, I, I love, love, love hoops, but it bums me out sometimes. Um, uh, my colleagues, the guys and girls who can't have a conversation beyond hoops, it's sometimes the last mm -hmm. thing you want to talk. You want to go grab a beer and talk about anything but basketball. Um, so uh, besides the running thing, I've be, I'm, I'm in terrible shape since, okay. since, since May. So cross that one off. Yeah, since okay, May, cross the running off for sure. Um, yeah, but it's, th this is uh, an unbelievably important part of my life. It's done mm -hmm. so much for me, but it's not gonna define me who I am as a person. Interesting. I uh, was trying to get some personal information mm -hmm. about you, personality mm -hmm. information. So I had a conversation with Del Demps, mm -hmm. A longtime friend of yours, just to kind of tell me, like, who, who is Tim Connolly, the guy? And so he was 
just giving me uh, off the top off top of his head. First thing he said is he's a huge family guy. Mm-hmm. His family is super important to him. You're a people person. You're genuinely interested in who someone is, what their story is. He also said you have an incredible memory. Mm-hmm. He said like we would be at a basketball tournament and he would go up to this kid and or this uh, this player and say, I remember when you were a kid, when you were 15 years old, you were playing in Croatia mm-hmm. and you had that game with the double-double. <laughs> and he'd be blown away by the details mm-hmm. that you remember. Some people are creeped out, honestly. <laughs> oh, is that a better way to put it? Yeah, a lot of creep people out with that sometimes. Do you have a crazy memory with stuff like that? Short-term memory is awful. Um, like right now, I have no idea what my license is. True story. Driver's license? Don't know like, where it is. Okay. Called several restaurants. Don't have it. Uh, long-term memory is really good. Like I walked in and saw um, Katie Smith. I met Katie... I don't know, 2001 for three minutes. And I think she was like, oh, yeah, I remember the Mystics game. I'm, clearly, I don't, I don't think when she, she was playing. Sure. Yeah. Um, Alex Stevenson, a coach at Adidas camp. Um, first time I got to really know Micah, we were coaching Adidas camp when Alex was a junior. So I see Al, mm-hmm. Alex. And I kept up with Al through his first year of college. He's like, I'm like, remember? He's like, oh, yeah. So <laughs> sometimes I'm excited by it. Sometimes I can see people's eyes go to a place like, this, like they're ready to taser me. You know, they're a little concerned <laughs> about my memory. So, yeah, short term awful, long term really good. OK. Well, Dell also said you're super positive and optimistic. And the way Dell put it, he said, let me give you an example. If Tim lost his right eye, he wouldn't say, oh, what was me? He would say, yeah, but my left eye is yeah. great. It's like perfect. It's 20-20 vision. Yeah. Are you glass half full all the time? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a more fun way to live. Even if you're um, – like one of my brothers was coaching for a um, good coach, very negative guy, and he was trending negative. So I said, listen, if we have 10 instances and you're right six and I'm right four, my 10 were better than yours because I wasn't miserable 10 out of 10 times. Um, yeah. So I don't know. There, there's so few things we can control in life. I think you can control – um, your approach. Um, I think at times, as my wife will, will tell you, I'm obnoxiously positive, but I think it beats the alternative. That's a good way to go. Yeah, yeah it is. It's I mean, a good way to live. Why not, right? The last thing I asked Dell after he kind of gushed about you, I was like, there's got to be something. There's got to be a flaw. There's got to be something that bugs you. Mm-hmm. And Dell said, well, Kate, the only thing I can give you is this. It takes him forever to leave a room. Yeah. And if we have meetings or something and we've got a plane to catch, he said he, he will say goodbye to every single person <laughs> in the room. And Dell said, I've learned like it's just a better idea to maybe drive separately yeah. if we've got somewhere to go. Yeah, we got a bunch of nervous travelers and staff. A couple guys who have been buddies with for a long time, but I've never worked with them. And I get to the plane at it's 11 o'clock flight. I want to get to the airport at if I have just carry on 1026. You know, I was want to walk in last call. And I've been on a couple of flights with um, John Wallace and Matt Lloyd in particular. I'm calling those guys out, and they're they're palpably bothered by it. I mean, there's mm. they're visceral and they're they're sweating. They're like, so they're not going to leave us. We're at the gate. It's all good. It's relaxed. So I'm a, I'm a pretty um, spontaneous person. I'm a I'm a last minute guy we joke when we went to mass growing up we get to mass at 505 and communion we're out the back door we never missed it but we, we were not you know on our sunday best mm. there early getting a good pew so uh, i blame my dad for that that <laughs> in me so yeah we have some nervous travelers it's they need to adjust to me but why can't you leave the room why can't you just wrap it up i would be polite you know that's uh, i never miss anything i'm just close to missing it there you go. Spice of life, right? <laughs> Got to keep it interesting. But it's hopefully you get to sit down with John and Matt at some point. And um, those guys, we got to work on them. Just relaxing with yeah, travel. Calm down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, John was sweating. I said, John, oh, really? are you going to be on this plane? Yeah, it's fine. When the last call, you'll, I'll, I'll walk. You'll see me. Flying in by the seat of your pants. Always, always make a flight. I've missed, I've missed one flight in my whole career. 
and that was in Latvia, twenty something years oh. ago. Well, I mean, I've missed a flight that on my own accord that I was just a bonehead. But not because you were late. No, no, flight. just one. Okay. They don't believe it, but it's true. Well, we like to wrap up our show with five questions, mm-hmm. just kind of generic, uh, trying to get to know you a little bit. So, randomly, this is a two-parter, but what is your so most... six questions, huh? An A and a B, if you want to look at it. <laughs> but what is your most favorite food and your least favorite food? Most favorite. That's such a good one. Um, probably pizza. I mean, I, I like a step below high end. I joke, our, our chefs are amazing. I said, I just, can you just dumb it down a little bit for me? Um, Not a pro- fancy guy. I, I mean, I like it occasionally, but I, I like a, a good hearty meal. Uh, okay. Probably pizza. Um, I think. Yeah, I probably, I'll go with pizza. Okay. My least, least favorite, favorite, peas. Peas? Peas are gross. Yeah. Don't like peas at all. Like out of the garden or like in a dish? In I, a- I can, if they're in the dish, I can suck it up. But there was a, there was a period in my childhood where I really was anti-pea and it, it kind of climaxed with a bad night at the dinner table. And it's still the, it was talked about by my brothers and sisters. My kids mm. know the story. So it, it doesn't hold a, a positive place in my heart. Yeah. I guess it's not okay. a real food. That's just a, no, no, a no, accoutrement. That, That's a side yeah, dish. No, yeah. That count Peas. Yeah. Yeah. Peas. Okay. Yeah. What is your worst habit? Worst habit? Um, probably just barely uh, being on time. <laughs> just barely making flights. <laughs> um, getting everywhere one yeah. minute before. Um, and uh, honestly, my, my ability to um, just be so whatever. Um, sometimes it's not great when trying to pay bills sure. or get paid work done. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have to actually okay. be an adult. It sucks, but sometimes you got to do it. How do you take your coffee? Don't drink coffee. No, no, no coffee. Energy drinks? Nope, zero. Soda, I mean, tea? No, no. I mean, if I'm if I'm in a really good city, I want to have a, a really good night. Maybe I'll do an espresso, like a little fake energy. But no, I don't drink. Okay. No soda, no no energy drinks, no coffee. Water, milk. I drink water. Yeah, I drink water. <laughs> yeah, I hydrate. Phew. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm uh, water. Uh, my favorite drink is a fresh squeezed OJ. Um, love that. Like. Fresh. From the orange, just yeah. like, yeah. Okay, not a carton. Hence the fresh squeeze, yeah. yeah got it. It's just, yeah. just falling uh, along here. Yeah, water, fresh squeeze OJ. I like sparkling water. Um, I like my beer, you know, like tequila, like wine. So I think it's one of those six okay. genres. Well, generally, you'll... But you'll, not coffee. I, I don't, I don't okay. like coffee, but again, if I need, like, if I'm in, I don't know, if I'm really tired, I'm in Europe, and I want to, you know, have a, have a good dinner and be on my toes, I'll do a shot of espresso. Okay, sure. Yeah. Would you consider yourself more of a morning person or night owl? Night owl, for sure. Yeah. That um, works well in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I like them both. I just, um, I like to slowly kind of wake up. Now, you can't do that once you're a parent. You can't slowly wake up. But mm. there was nothing better than, my wife and I joke about it, like seven years ago, just to, to wake up slowly and stretch and no rush. And um, that's, that's been out the window for a long time. But I, I enjoy the night. I could, I could stay up pretty late um, every night if... Anyone mm. would want to stay up with me. It's just usually me, though. What fashion trend do you wish you could take back from your youth? Well, I got an ankle tattoo. When my, yeah, that was okay. very reflective of my age group. Um, I mean, it was a good reason. So my grandmother passed away. It was like a, an Irish thing, but um, don't love looking at my ankle tattoo. I don't know if that's fashion, but that's not something great. 
Um, I remember my freshman year in high school, we, our first varsity game, we played DeMatha, a really good team, mm -hmm. and I was excited to wear a pair of all green filas to the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, between, thank God the ankle tattoo didn't coincide with the all green <laughs> filas, so there's been a lot of fashion faux pas in my... Was the green like your school color? At no, least? it was just a... No. I really wanted filas. My mom took me to this um, kind of grimy shoe store in a, in a tough neighborhood, and I just saw them, and there they were. And I, everyone thought they were really cool. You uh, had to have them. Yeah. Now I look back and I'm like, God, I was that big of a loser. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they. I'm sure they looked all right, and we we know we know whatever you did as as a kid, it somehow led to this. So you must have done some things right. Yeah. No, I, I was raised by great parents and around a really a bunch of smart people throughout you know, every step of my basketball evolution. But um, very little of it's on my own doing. That's for sure. Well, it's been it's been fun. That's getting the to last know you. one. Is that's the last question? That was it. Uh, that was five. Yeah, that's, that was a two-parter. I wish you four. asked me something better. That that last answer was not good. Um, the way to send me out. What is the best birthday present you've ever gotten? Do you have any other questions? No. <laughs> that's a breast. Do you have any superstitions? Uh, best birthday? I don't. I can't remember anything. Probably um, any video game back in the day. We got like. PlayStation when I was 15 oh. or 16, and that was big. I don't have any superstitions, no. Um, no, zero. That drives mm -hmm. my wife nuts as well. She's, um, she's Persian, so her, her family has a lot of superstitions, and it's funny. I'm just like, hey, it's gonna, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And um, so it's, if you ask my wife that, she has about 6,000 of them. Oh. Yeah. So you want to do 6,000 superstitions? Interesting balance. Yeah. That's, in the house. Yeah, it's very opposite to attract, right? That's what they say. Yeah. So it's working. So far, so good. Well, yeah. Um, I've now gone through eight of my questions in five questions. Nice. So can we leave on that one? Yeah, that one's or? better. Yeah, I just okay. didn't want to leave with the ankle tattoo and the green filas. Okay. It's been tough. Okay. Yeah. Let's spin it a little bit. Yeah, can we edit Glass that out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Glass half full the way you like it. Yeah. I'll have, no, this is great. This is really fun. It was fun to get to know you. Yeah. Uh, we're happy to have you in Minnesota. We know good things are ahead. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Thanks.